but it doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, it just has to be a worthy opponent, right. you know. And when you, when you can actually switch the mindset of technology being a challenge to your business to being a worthy opponent, I feel like that completely changes the game. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Karine Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome, everybody, to another interview on my podcast. I am so excited to bring Jim Carter here for you because as a founder of Cause Hack and all things tech, but truly, you're going to meet his charitable side. You're going to understand that tech does not have to be so overwhelming. Uh, and also, just see how gifted and heart-centered he is. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Green. It's so great to have you. What I like to kick off the show with sharing your journey on how you came to where you are today as an entrepreneur, business owner, gifted person who loves to give back, understanding truly what got you here. Absolutely. Man, and you know that term journey, you know, sometimes we don't realize a journey actually starts before we take that first step. Dare I actually say my journey began before I began? Uh, maybe let me start with my dad uh, before I was even born. My dad was uh, was a really big uh, supporter of the Boy Scouts of America. For anybody listening in, in America that knows about the organization, it's a it's a group for boys uh, to join to learn about uh, being service oriented and leading with qualities and just trying to stand out above the rest. Um, my my dad never made it all the way to the highest rank uh, because of an actual like limitation um, that he had at the time, uh, and because of that, he missed that opportunity. So when my parents discovered that um, I was going to be born and that I was going to be a boy, my mom actually joked about it. It was like that Lion King moment where he like held me up when I came out. He's like, "This this boy's going to be an Eagle Scout, right? <laughs> the highest rank that you can achieve in scouting," <laughs> which is why I actually think it started before me. So you know that that's kind of the funny side of it. But with that, the the interesting thing is, uh, my dad actually uh, got cancer when I was really really young, just about a year old, and that is truly a long story, uh, even though a wonderful one. But the basics are, he survived, and he survived by way of a miracle. He was he was on his deathbed, and overnight, uh, my grandmother just uh, kind of saw a sign, and she knew that he was going to be okay. And by morning. Uh, he actually woke up and uh, the doctors just couldn't find any trace of cancer in his whole body. It was 100% quantifiably a miracle. Um, now, at the time, I was, I was a baby, right? I had no idea what was going on. But when I was old enough to really understand that my dad was kind of given that golden ticket and the opportunity to be my dad, so I would actually get to know him, once I actually could process that, it really uh, it changed my perspective. Um, and... Yes, I joined scouting at a very early age. I didn't have a choice, uh, but fortunately, I did like it. And I did make it all the way to the rank of Eagle Scout, not just for myself, but really for my dad. The, the really great thing about it is not only did I get that time with my dad that I may have never gotten if I wasn't so lucky and he wasn't so lucky, but it gave me those, that, that time to kind of manifest that service orientation and find what that meant to me. 
So, you know, after, after that kind of started my first business, um, I had fun being a software engineer. Uh, these days I like to say I'm a recovering software engineer because I've spent <laughs> 20 years of my life behind the keyboard. Yeah. But you know, what I found is that as I, as I began to become a man, as I, uh, grew with my family, um, happily married, uh, have, uh, two beautiful daughters, uh, life really got the best of me. Uh, I got caught up in a lot of it. I, I stopped paying attention to a lot of those values I, I originally uh, had kind of deep inside of me and that I spent so much of my childhood doing. And uh, it wasn't until really recently where I just realized it wasn't working anymore. Um, I, was, I was exhausted from being a coder, you know, all of the pounding coffee, Mountain Dew, late night stereotype type of things. Like they're only stereotypical because they're true, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's not a stereotype, it's a lifestyle. It's, a lifestyle. it's, not. it's literally just yeah. the way that it works when you're yeah. a coder, if you truly want to master your trade. And what I realized is I've been a technology generalist for so many years. I liked a little bit about everything and I got to learn a little bit about everything. Um, but what I really started to excel in was when the, 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 the tide shifted for me, when I actually told myself, this isn't cutting it. I need to step into my badassery, if you will, um, as a father, as a husband, and as just somebody who actually gives a damn. Yeah. And with that, I founded, I co-founded my first uh, certified B Corp, started to make a difference by volunteering my technology expertise to nonprofits and uh, for-purpose type of organizations. And I just started to find this new joy of life, got back into personal development, really started focusing on reading, studying, getting into the rooms, you know, and just figuring out ways that I could truly help people. And I, and everybody says, you know, kind of that golden rule and you pay it forward, it'll come back to you. I. I am personal proof that when you just give without expectation, uh, magic happens. And it's been the most wonderful uh, second part of my journey to realize that going back to service and taking my technical knowledge and expertise and really focusing it on those that are trying to make a difference in the world just is, in my opinion, it's the only way to do it now. And that's where I am today. So now I really uh, I coach and I advise on the technical side. I help organizations, individuals, and experts uh, that are mission driven, and I help them just become unblocked with their technology. Uh, and also launch an agency to just help with a lot of these growth techniques and uh, working through really wonderful ways to use technology to make a difference in the world. I love it because it's um, it's needed. the The skill set, obviously, like I, I love to talk about. Well, a few things that you just said. First of all. The ability to lead with value, which you know I'm about, it's like what I wrote my book about. It's it's getting to the core of who you are and really understanding your core values. Because if you lean into them every single day, then you're standing in alignment with who you really are, and then you can figure out the appropriate energy exchange, the the financial wealth that shows up for you. Like it becomes just so much easier because you're standing in alignment. Of who you are. And I think we all go through phases of skills learning when we're starting out a career, when we're trying to figure out who we want to be in this world, and we're, we're just seeking something to learn from to decide what we want to take with us. And, and I like that you're 20 years in to your career because it's, it is when the identity starts to shift and the maturity is there to then start to decide, well, what do I actually want to take and create? and have impact on with all that I have learned and how can I then create that leverage to figure out that fulfillment. And so it's cool that it started with a model of the Eagle Scouts 
um, you know, and, and being of service because a heart of service can easily be taken advantage of. Um, and Absolutely. if you, right. Like Absolutely. if you don't know the, I've been there. Um, yeah. I, I, I subjected myself to that because I did grow up in service and when that's where you focus without setting boundaries and structure and finding your way in between that, um, it, it, it can crush you. And, uh, I'm, I'll be the first to say, yes, happy to say I'm a successful entrepreneur, happy to say I'm a successful business owner, but I've been screwed multiple ways in the past. Like yeah. I think most human beings, and it's easy when you give yourself, when you don't give yourself that grace, uh, to, to understand that you're at the point where you've earned it and it's okay to say no. Or if you don't want to say no, it's just not always a yes. Right. And once once you kind of can understand where you can fit into that that niche of your expertise, but also being in a in a in a mindset of service, uh, I, I really have seen some magic open up. Yeah, and 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 it allows you though to truly. I had years of that part of me being taken advantage of, whether it was in an employment situation or in a relationship, just because I'm a giver, right? I have a heart of service. It's how I show up. And then I realized that we were talking about this before we started the recording, where it's like, there's a uniqueness and unfair advantage to having a dynamic mind like we do, where we can see how tech platforms like go into a process to deliver the foundation for how a company can grow from it is, is a unique way of seeing things. But I, I know for me, I would not have been able to learn that if I didn't expose myself in environments that other people set up, like as employment to others and see all the angles of how it works and doesn't work, right? Like, And most of the time where I would struggle was not about the technology. It was not about the process we put together. It was it came to the people and, and the way they treated each other and the way that um, it could either, either raise people up or shut people down. And, and knowing that you uh, created and launched a B Corp, which a lot of our listeners might not even know what that means. So I would love for you to share that because I, I have the magazine sitting over here, actually, um, Real Leaders, which is the B certified um, company magazine. And you get to see all the different uh, companies out there that have that give back model to it. But if you don't mind just sharing a little bit so listeners understand what a B Corp means and the, the level of impact that they actually have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, so there, there's a lot of different ways that people kind of perceive in the definitions of B Corps. But the way that I like to explain it is it is a it is an observed type of uh, certification and an entity that we see here in America where you can basically stand as tall as you possibly can as a for-profit organization and say, we're doing this with heart. And the way that they measure that is with this incredibly rigorous screening this process of going through and they look at everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. Uh, the, the organization that I co-founded, uh, we started the process and it took us 13 months to go through this entire process. We had one human being on our team who it was her whole responsibility to see this through. And God bless her soul. She, she pioneered and pushed us through. Um, but it was the biggest celebration when we did it. And the reason why is because it celebrates the best of you being a founder of a company where that company reflects the best of the collective. So they're looking at things like your transparency. They're looking at things like your energy footprint. They're looking at things like um, the, the way that you give back in some kind of form. And it doesn't have to be monetarily. Um, what we did was we did uh, quarterly 
uh, volunteering opportunities for the entire company. We found opportunities in between that. Uh, you know, I, I live in Oakland, uh, California, based here in the United States. At the time, my, my company was in San Francisco. So we would cherry pick different charities like St. Anthony's uh, Food Bank, and we'd go volunteer there. Uh, we went to Golden Gate Park and we cleaned up a lot of the hills on the parks, uh, getting you know ready for the rainy season. Uh, there was even a time that we planted trees in the middle. It was called Friends of the Urban Forest, right? It's just uh, planted trees in the middle of the streets, like just to help up San Francisco. So there's a lot of ways that these companies. Actually, let me let me backtrack for a minute. You may realize that your company is already doing a lot of these things. You may realize that you already have energy efficient lights and monitors and things in your organization, but being a data-driven person yourself, like myself, um, do we ever take the time to stop and measure it? Do we take the time to think about what that's actually doing? Um, yeah. We typically don't have the time for that, so we don't prioritize it. What this does is it gives you reason to prioritize it so you can stand so tall and so proud and you can wear it on your sleeve. So when you meet somebody that actually has a B Corp, or if you work for a B Corp and somebody else does, you have this shared ethos. And that ethos is one of service. It's yeah. you caring about making money so you can do good things with it. And that, that's what I love about that certification, that organization. And there's all these micro communities of different B Corps. And uh, any chance I have to work with a B Corp, uh, it just lights me up because yeah. I know that they care and they're working for something bigger than just making profit. Yeah, because the ecosystem of both businesses then have their own alignment on the value system of why you're showing up every day or or even the consciousness of how you show up, making sure that it has that return um, to what you want to have benefit. So I know like, you know, uh, I'm curious because I know you have a Pencils for Promise story, um, a Pencils of Promise, right? Story. Yes. And, and the way that you've now also incorporated raising funds for charities and making sure that all that you do has that give back model. When did that start for you? And when did you realize that that is going to be a consistent theme in all that you do going forward? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. And yeah, it started in 2014 for me. Um, that right about the end of 2013, my, my oldest daughter was two years old. We had just had my youngest daughter. They're about a year and a half apart. And uh, that's to the, to the journey part of my story. Uh, that's when I realized it just wasn't cutting it for me anymore. I was exhausted. I wasn't fulfilled. I, I wasn't able to be a good husband or a good father because I was so consumed by working to pay my mortgage. That, that was literally it. And one day, uh, a friend of mine uh, who I, I worked with him to help him build up his company, he ended up, he's good friends with the founder of this organization called Pencils of Promise. Um, for all your listeners, you can check it out. It's pencilsofpromise.org. Uh, they're based out of New York. And at the time, the founder had written a book. And the book was called The Promise of a Pencil. And it was about his story, his journey to launching this organization and how his travels around the world, uh, landing in India and asking... His, his personal goal was like everywhere he went, he wanted to ask one kid, if you could have anything in the world that you want, what, what would you have? And he was like, I expected him to say fancy cars and big houses and everything. And he said he got to Calcutta and he asked this kid who was just barefoot, dirty, just picture that in your mind. And he was like, if you could have anything you want, what, what would it be? And the kid said a pencil. And he was just so taken back by that, that simple gesture of wanting more. 
that he was like, well, I got a pencil. And he gave the kid a pencil and he just saw him light up and ran and show his friends, you know, and uh, I may be off a little bit on the story, but at least this is how I perceive it and how I, how I visualize it. Yeah. And that turned into the inspiration to, well, why don't I start a school? Why don't I actually try to build something that these kids don't have? You know, we live in America and specifically I live in California. I am in the, the, the most craziest bubble you can imagine being a tech guy in San Francisco. Like this yeah. is my mecca. Step one is acceptance, right? So I accept I live in the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, what do you do from there? And uh, this, this gentleman's name, Adam Braun, he's the founder of this organization, decided that he wanted to set out to build one school. And one school turned into two schools and two schools turned into 10 schools. And now, uh, as of 2020, it's over 500 schools with 100% of them still in operation because he had the wherewithal to prove a data-driven model and turn it into something. When I read that book, I, you know, I wasn't a big reader at the time. Uh, I picked up the book because my friend you know, kind of was like, you have to check this out. Uh, and I couldn't put it down. There was just something so simple about this story of this book and this founder and his inspiration and what led him to that, that I realized I'm, I'm no different than him. Uh, we come from different worlds. Uh, we may not even have the same financial backgrounds. It doesn't matter. Like He just had this inspiration. He wanted to do something with it. And he was able to take his zone of genius and convert it into the opportunity that was needed to make that impact. And when that registered in my noggin, I was so inspired to just figure out what had to be next. And it wasn't that it was handed to me, right? Um, you know, my uh, I, I love uh, Brendan Burchard, the motivational speaker. Um, you know, the uh, high efficiency. Um, you know, that kind of that kind of coach. And, and he says this one thing that I love, which is there. There's change fundamentally only happens in one of two ways. Either it's like winning the lottery, like it just magically happens because it's gifted to you, or you make it. So I just decided, well, nobody's giving me a handout. I've got two babies. I've got a mortgage in the Bay Area. Like I, I need to step my game up. So I did. I stepped my game up and I, I typed in the website, reached out to the organization and was like, hey, you guys, like, I just read the book. I love it. But like, the, your website's kind of broken. There's like all these security errors and people mm-hmm. can't donate. Uh, this really sucks. Like, I'm sure people want to learn a lot more. I'm like, I'd love to pay it forward. Can I just help you like tune up your website? For me, that's like a 10 minute, one week top tasks, you know, right. like putting a little bit of time in, I can see that clearly what to fix. Yeah. And, but of course they don't, they didn't have that resource because if they did, that person would have been there. And if they did have that resource, I would have yelled at him. Right. Cause that's, that's unacceptable. Yeah. He's not doing the right thing. Yeah. Some, somebody's <laughs> sleeping on the job, especially yeah. with the book launch. So, uh, they welcomed me with open arms. And ever since then, I just saw the impact that my zone of genius was able to make for somebody who truly, truly needed it. And rightfully so, like they just, they just didn't have the ability to invest in it, but that led to the next thing that led to the next thing that led to the next connection that led to the next service-based opportunity. And, you know, here I am today and I can actually trace quantifiably a majority of the amazing things that are, that are in my life today back to that origin point. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, Kareem, when you think that it all started with me just saying, I'm ready to make a change. Yep. I, I, I want this to be a good change in my life. And it started with me offering to just do something that I already know how to do that wasn't going to affect me one bit. 
Yeah, and but it, but you put just yourself, opens you up so much. Exactly. I was just gonna say it's just like that openness, like that it it as crazy as it sounds, it is actually that simple. It truly is like that simple is in a moment. It's in like that that little switch. Like you just you just decide in that moment that something more is what you want to go after and you're gonna be open to the journey that it's gonna put you on. Right. And and what I love is that you actually found an arena of influence that would open you up even further. You know, uh, and you you went from the heart. You went from the heart of service, and you were in your tech job, or you know, running uh, in a habit that wasn't necessarily filling you up on how you had to show up every day for the job that you had, or you know, the career you were in. But you also looked at the leverage. One of the things I love to share with my listeners is leverage what you do already. Like, have you actually? done everything possible to leverage it as opposed to abandonment. Like sometimes people feel like change requires abandoning everything I know and everything I do in order to actually feel something different. And it's not the case all the time. They're all ste- I see them as stepping stones right? or blocks or stairs or however whatever visual works for you to realize that you got to leverage it each step and it'll just take you that much further. But what happened for you that I'm hearing from the story is that you found alignment in your heart of service with your gifting and your zone of genius of tech, tech wizardry. (laughs) And then, and like, and and it was very personal and it was very connected. You're a highly heart centered, connected person. So if you're not having that kind of exchange, then it's not going to be fulfilling for you. Absolutely. And the reason that it was so aligned was because my wife and I were so dedicated to providing our children with the best education that we could find. And my oldest daughter is autistic. Um, She's very high functioning. She's doing wonderful now, but uh, she didn't speak a word until she was four. And as being our first daughter and asking ourselves, okay, how did we screw up our kid? What, What did we do wrong? All these things you start going through all of these things in your head and self-sabotage and you need all these things. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, how did I not see this coming? How could I get on top of it? At the age of two, we started to see those signs. And that was when everything kind of clicked to me. I said, mm-hmm. I told myself, I, I physically right now cannot dedicate more time to my family, but my family needs it. I physically don't have any more energy to change my life, but my life needs it. I, you I, I want my wife to stick around. I actually like her, right? So I'm like, how do I, <laughs> how, how do I make this change? And that may sound horrible and ominous, and like, but that only sounds that way if you play the victim. Right. When I realized I had the ability to do whatever I wanted, as long as I did it in a way that aligned with my family, that I was proud of, and it didn't have to be overnight, right? We're we're six years disconnected from when I started that origin story. But it only took a matter of months before I started to truly feel, feel that. It. Yeah. When I felt it, yeah. that's when I realized, okay, just because I'm not directly contributing to my daughter, the act of going in service, now I've seen how many countless lives that I've actually been able to help impact through this organization and more because I don't just advise this one. Right. They're, they're, they're wonderful and I love this organization, but I love helping so many of these other ones too because they just need. This, uh, this advice. So I'm not saying that I'm going and I'm going to do mission work and I'm going to stay in Guatemala or Ghana or you know one of the countries I work in for three months and leave my family. There are people who are better suited to that. 
for me, it's what can I do behind a computer? What can I do when I meet them? What if, if, I, if I go to New York and I have a meeting, I love stopping over the office and just saying, hey, what can we do today? What, what can we work on? Finding those opportunities in your day-to-day life to remind yourself, what are you closest in alignment with? And sticking within, like we talked about that structure and boundaries and you know, finding where you fit between those two goalposts. That is easy. It's really easy. Yeah. And when you do it with the mindset that you're actually going to enjoy it, guess what? You actually enjoy it at the end of the day. And that, that's what I love when that became super clear to me. Yeah, I love it because what you you are highly integrated. You know, it's just, it's just like it's just like in the tech space where we're we have systems that need to talk to each other in a highly efficient way. You have to figure out what are the calls that go in between them to make sure that it stays in check on a frequency that actually allows for the alignment of the communication between the two to work. It's the same exact thing in our life where we need to make sure that where we're spending our time, how we're having interactions with the people we're working with, the the clients we want to attract in, the people we're meant to serve, the charities that we want to give to. It again is all about that integration of aligning it in every single action you take. And I love that that's how you've structured your work life uh, to integrate into the life that you really want to have and make sure that it, it actually is consistently open to even getting better and better and more impactful and like you know the the continuous uh, development of it all mm-hmm. is just really cool for the version of you that shows up today because if that's what's happened in 6 years man I can't I can't even imagine what's going to happen for you in the next 6 <laughs> super excited for it right and yeah. it, it's uh it's like you just said it's versioning up you know do you want to stay complacent and do you want to stay where you're at like uh, the you know just picture updating all the apps on your phone, right? If you never update an app, you're never going to get the new the not the best and the freshest and the most cutting edge because that's oh. not for everybody. But do you ever want to iterate? Do you ever want to change? Or are you actually happy with literally everything that you only have right there and you're not open to anything else? When when you realize that there are beautiful minds around the world that are collectively trying to enhance. Not just technology for good, but human experience, the way that we connect, the way that we do things. Um, small tweaks that we've made with this organization uh, year over year, both for the galas and for the way that we, we work online, that continual stepping into the little bit of a fear, a little bit of an unknown, um, it, it's different when you do it with the mindset that you're serving others versus you're doing it to just try to make a buck. Yeah. Right? Like We know about building opt-ins. We know about um, traditional marketing flows, running ads, like sure, anybody can do that. But when you're doing it in a way that you know aligns with you, and when you're doing it in a way that you know you can just continue to get that 1% better as a continual drip, um, 1% better over a long period of time is a really big percent. <laughs> yeah, it, it totally is. It doesn't overnight. Yeah. 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 Well, you mentioned this earlier, and I'm, I'm curious how you describe it. Um, what is your zone of genius? For me, I truly feel it is taking really complex technical challenges that people are under and helping them see clearly through that. I have this innate ability, uh, like yourself, to, to just put that builder hat on and to understand what it takes to truly architect something that works. A lot of times we get, we get paralyzed by the thought of technology, right? Like 
if you're ever in a room, I always have like show of hands. You know, if you identify yourself as a technical person and like one person raises their hand, the rest of the room, it's like, you know, identify as non-technical. And then uh, one of the things I specialize in is SEO and growth. And I always ask, you know, raise your hand if when I say the word SEO, it just strikes fear into your heart. And everybody raises both hands, right? It's crazy. But it doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, it just has to be a worthy opponent. Right. You know, and when you, when you can actually switch the mindset of technology being a challenge to your business to being a worthy opponent, I feel like that completely changes the game. So what I love to do is help to advise people in ways that they can reframe what a technology challenge looks like to them. And sometimes all it takes is understanding that an integration between two services actually fixes the problem or uh, rethinking the way that maybe they're doing something or working between different systems, like you said, that, that fixes the sequence of events. And then that unblocks them because there is no better feeling to me than helping experts, nonprofits, uh, influencers, whatever you identify as, just get your word out. Just be the expert, the influencer, whatever you are, just spread your message deeper, with more love, with with the, the authority that you know you have. Uh, and when I can find ways to pair technology with just helping people get their word out, that just absolutely lights me up. Yeah, it, 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 it's such a win, you know, when you're able to create that. But I love that that's your zone because it is a, it is a dynamic mind that can think that way. I also know because I, I think we came up at the same time in tech where, where you would call it software engineering in the beginning, like it was true software. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now oh, yeah. it's all like everything is like platform based and, uh, and so many places you to integrate because so much new tech is showing up every single day that it can feel so overwhelming to even know where to even start. Uh, I like to keep it super simple for folks, um, knowing that there's always a solution. Like we can always figure out the how. I think that's when, you know, growing up in tech companies too, where that's what I learned the most was. We can always figure out how we can build it. There's a way to build it. There's a, just time and money that might go behind it to make it happen. These days, it feels so much faster and, and um, we're inundated with a lot of the how-to that we forget that that doesn't have to be our zone of genius to step into the creative space that we're meant to be in. And so to, to leverage that service that you have and your, your ability to show up in it is, is so needed. I mean, it's that's a very good point, Karine. That, right. That's a very good point. And I, I, I actually want to reiterate that to your listeners to, to really think about what that means to them and their businesses too. Um, let, let's, let's use my, one of my examples. The very first shopping cart that I ever built was in 1998, I believe. And I, it was for a, um, like a sound, uh, like a speaker company or a sound company. And they wanted to sure. put their DJ equipment online, right? This, yeah. this was, this was the, the glory days of yeah, the internet. And like, guy, just to give people perspective, because in 98, there was like, there wasn't really commerce as such a boom on the interwebs. Like the interwebs were somewhat new. So just so everyone has context. Nobody so like, was doing this. Yeah, it was yeah, a different world. It was, yeah. It looked horrible, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just bad. It was like it was bad, but was what we had, you know. But okay, so you built this cart. Go ahead. Right. So you know, I remember, I remember talking with this guy. I, I I did this deal. I built this website for him. I think it's fair to say that the only integration that I needed to connect was the service that charged a credit card. Yeah. Now, Huge. you want to think about launching a shopping cart? Okay. Where do we start? 
Well, we start at the top and God help us if we don't hit the bottom, right? Uh-huh. So we think I'm about... Just so you know, I'm literally in the middle of this with one of my clients. So I love <laughs> that. Yeah, let's go it. for it. List it out, man. List so, it out. I mean, I'm going to miss a ton, but everything from security to analytics to the way that we track to the integrations to how does it connect to your CRM to any, you know, all your social media. The warehouse, media the financials, the... Yes. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. I literally so have like a physio diagram I was working on earlier today because one of my clients, I'm I'm mapping it out for them right now. So yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's crazy. It's hilarious and crazy because that's just the space that we now occupy, yep. and that's 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 what's required to keep up. However, yes. when we remind ourselves that in order to truly do something, to sell something, all we have to do is sell it, or all we have to do is give it away, or all we have to do is email it. Our friend, Lori Harder, I remember sitting in one of the masterminds with her. She was saying, guys, when I started, I had a PayPal button on a webpage with my picture. And when somebody bought something, I checked it and I emailed them the thing. Yeah. Like that was me. I was, I was the integration. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, <laughs> I yeah. believe it. Right. So getting back to the basics doesn't ever hurt. Right. And yeah. that's why the first thing that came to my mind in my story about Pencils of Promise was, well, the website should be faster so people can experience it better. Yep. There should be less errors because there shouldn't be errors. There, you know, It should be more secure because why wouldn't it? Those may sound like technical hard things, but again, for somebody who that's all I did, to me, if you're a copywriter, that was you realigning the paragraphs. If you're a wellness coach, that's you examining what somebody says and saying, well, they have this problem. It, that, that's you as a chiropractor saying, okay, this person's bending over and their spine's crooked. Let's fix it, right? When you reinterpret it to your zone of genius and you just go back to those basics, you realize everything else can come if it deserves to come at a later time. But just starting with that, that truly is easy. And that truly can be something that you enjoy. Um, That's why I'm just loving helping organizations like this now because I truly enjoy it. I see it working. And the it's not about ROI, even though that's wonderful for the on the receiving end for somebody who identifies as non-technical, it is a weight that is relieved. So when you think about how can you truly help somebody, well, if you're doing it in a mind of service, you're doing it in a way that relieves away from them. It's it's just a wonderful position to be in. Yeah, and it, and and you're standing in your zone. The other thing is is allowing those experts to walk alongside you on your journey. Like I always love I love to especially if you're an entrepreneur listening and you're trying to do all the things yourself and you haven't reached out to expand past yourself on what your business actually is in order to stay in your zone so that the, the people with their expertise can come in and share their greatness with you. Like um, That expansion goes so much further when you bring that energy in as opposed to feeling like you have to figure it all out yourself in order to make it happen. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's the basis of my service industry or my service that I provide through through my coaching, through my um, consulting side. But I, I wanted to ask you this question because I'm sure you've seen this often too. We can always come in and solve the how. But if the strategy at the top is not clear, like the reasons why I believe pencil, like for the example of Pencils of Promise work is that their strategy of what they wanted to accomplish was so clear that it became easier for others and their expertise to step in and assist them to achieve it or put the right plan together to, um, to, to make it happen. And I'm curious, how often do you walk into clients' uh, sites or, or work with folks where strategy 
is a little bit unclear and figuring out, you know, how you actually can step into them, in with them to assist them and figuring that part of their business out too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The that's the how, right? Is is the fix. Um my my world changed again when Simon Sinek uh, wrote about how to start with why. When I watched that TED Talk for the first time, I think I had to replay it to just process it. And then I remember telling myself, I can never unthink this. And uh, it's the truth. When, when you truly do start with the why that you should even care. Um, I'll give an example, Kareem. Like um, I, I do the 10 minute a day on Headspace thing. You know, Before the kids wake up, it's quiet in the house. It's like the time that I have before it turns into crazy. Um, that meditation this morning, uh, I think I'm on a pack about uh, prioritizing. You know, I'm just working on getting better at that as a human being right now. And part of it was, you know, being mindful of the choices that you even put onto your to-do list. Um, and then uh, somebody else recently told me, which I love, is reframing the way that you consider your to-do list a uh, get-to-do list. Like, I'm actually lucky that I get to do these things. So if you're not happy that you get to do it, should it even be on your to-do list, right? So when you, you continually reframe it and you ask yourself, why am I even in this business? Why do I care? Then it's almost like the problem starts to solve itself and you realize you didn't even have to do any work for it. It's this crazy mind game. And you realize it's only a game because we make it a game, That's right? right? Am I hitting my numbers? Am I, you know, does, is my team fully consumed? And you're like, but why, right? So like truly starting with why, I love getting into that in the early days, which I'm sh- uh, the early days of working with someone, which I'm sure you do as well. And if you can't answer that, that's typically where you need to start. Because when you truly lead with your values and you come back to it, magic happens. Councils of Promises, why, uh, dare I interpret, is that they believe that every child should have access to quality education around the world. It, it could be that simple, right? It, it is a mission, it's a vision, and it may not be attainable in our lifetime. But if we don't start, it will never happen. So every decision that they make is around providing literacy for children around the world. It's about offering a safe environment. It's about a sustainability model. It's about giving holistic education because all of these lead to the ability for every child to hit that. So if you ask yourself, not just your corporate mission and your corporate vision, but truly, why did you even step into that role? Well, why, why do you care? So when you ask me, like for me, it's I, because I believe every expert should be able to share what they are so great at and technology shouldn't hold them back. So when I reframe and rebase everything that I do around, well, how can I do more of that? How can I serve more people? And of course, you know, I, I like to keep paying my mortgage, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I need to make money too, just like we all do. But when you can do it from that mindset, you start to realize, wow, it actually is a lot simpler than we make it out to be. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I, and also just saying that you would bring it to their awareness if that clarity isn't there on the strategic side or the, the definition of their why uh, so that you're not stepping into something that you deliver and won't be taken advantage of. Like that, that's what I've seen time and time again, where even this client that I was just mapping out their uh, e-commerce integration for and figuring out their strategies because they didn't even have like their their full tech strategy in order to 
align with the business strategy that they're trying to hit. And, and I would say strategic thinking is not their strong suit because they're an innovative team, right? They love to create really great new things. So when you are able to see it through a different lens and because you and I are, are communicate from the heart where it's like, we're not here to say you're not doing something right. We're here to show you that if you think about it X way, we can actually then accomplish this for you, you know, and, and it's, and it's a guidance more than a dictatorship. <laughs> you know, although sometimes my clients pass me so that. <laughs> I would be lying if I never heard the same thing. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, it's this, just do this. <laughs> just, Please, just, just leave. Pro- promise me you're going to trust me on this one. It'll figure itself out. <laughs> but it's so cool. It's like it's really great to be able to talk to you in this way and just share your perspective because I also feel like I have a lot of engineering and technical friends and colleagues in my network because that's how I grew up too from the Bay Area, being exposed to software engineering, but also just loving like I have a really high tech aptitude. I love to geek out on that. And I know that some of my listeners are in that space as well where they have that internal struggle that you went through um, that you're on the other side of, that it's like this grind that I'm in to show up in this identity that I formed for myself, like the coder in me, let's just say, um, is no longer fulfilling or as fulfilling as I need it to be to integrate back into my life. What are the... I would love to give them some tips or tools to to begin to be open from your perspective on what to step into next or how to navigate if that's how they're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. For me, this this took years for, for me to wrap my head around because even though I decided one day I was ready for more, I didn't know what that looked like, but I, I, I had to take that first step. For me, the way that I love to do it now is I like when I talk to coders who are kind of stuck. They, they, they were me, you know, back X, X number of years. I, I start by asking, you know, why did you get into the field to start? That, again, the why, right? It really is that simple. Like, why did you decide that software engineering or any kind of engineering? Are you an architect? Are, are you an electrical engineer, mechanical engineer? It doesn't have to be an engineer title. Even it can just be a, let's call it a builder, a brick mason, somebody, somebody who is actively doing the thing and they're in it. Why was that your life choice? Was it because somebody guided you there? Was it because you were inspired to be there? Or was it because you were you wanted to be creative, but maybe you didn't have that artistic brain that everybody said you had? Like, I'm not a designer. I, I, I know that I can't really make something look pretty, but I can make it function really good. So rather than applying that artistic mind, I apply that system-driven mind and I realized being a software engineer was just like me manifesting my, my, my desire to make something optimized and to make it work better. So if you start to go down that path and you ask yourself, what led you there? Then you, you have to realize, well, if you're going down a path, there has to be a result. Otherwise, you're just an engineer, you're just an architect, you're just somebody laying bricks, but you don't know what you're building, right? Like if you just start laying bricks, you're going to build a really big wall, but that wall may not even need to be there. And when I realized, I was coding and I didn't have an end game in mind. It really shook me. It really, really shook me down to my core. And I told myself, I've been so busy building other people's empires, other systems, all these other things, but I never asked myself, what do I really want to build? Like, my hands are eventually going to go out on me. 
the time that I have to type with them right now is really important. So uh, I remember I was, I was at a self-development course and somebody brought up this example, which again was something that when I heard, I couldn't unhear, which is if you find yourself as somebody who's building, are you, are you, are you building a shack? Are you building a church or are you building a cathedral? And there's a difference between all three of those. And they're really, really clear when you really understand them. If you're building a shack, it's a temporary spot. And this has nothing to do with religion. This is just the picture, the, the, the grandioseness of it all. If you're building a shack, it's a temporary situation. You're, you're, you're trying to get out of the rain. You're trying to get out of the sun. Uh, it is not a long-term engagement. A church, um, or let's just call it a building, is, is something that, you know, it, it takes strategy. It takes planning. It takes something to really make you feel like you've accomplished something but it's actually something that's a little bit more in your lifetime. You know, you, you can build a house in your lifetime if you truly set out to do it. But a cathedral, you know, let's just pick a couple of really big things like Notre Dame, right, in Paris. Doesn't matter what religion you are, you know of that. Um, Taj Mahal, like the, the pyramids, like think of something that big. That is something that spans a lifetime, lifetimes, maybe even decades, it's something that you're laying the roots in that you'll probably never actually see that tree flourish. So if you ask yourself, where do you want to live? Where, where do you want to be? Where do you want to put your energy? Once I decided that if I started truly taking the energy that I was putting into life and building a cathedral rather than person, you know, just, just basically hanging out in a shack or even just working towards something in my lifetime, that, that mindset and that clarity is what gets me out of bed in the morning and wants me to show up and wants me to keep striving to do something more. So now I no longer code. And I'm really happy about that because I can lead teams of phenomenal coders that are way better than me now. And when I do code, it's for fun. And it's, it's me reminding myself I'm doing something that's more of a building. But I can still enjoy a building. I can still tap into the passion, the thing that I spent two decades of my life doing. But when I can actually build a company, lead a team, uh, teach, do something that truly is more scalable, I'm building a cathedral. And I know that I'm laying those roots for a foundation that will last well beyond my years. And that's my why. That's what gets me so excited to find that true thing that I know I'm good at and launch it into the future. I love it. I think for our listeners, the takeaway there is, you know, jump into the discovery work of uh, around your why and allow yourself the time to design it once you do figure it out to then step into the actions of what it would feel like. So when I'm in my coach's stance and I'm working with different executives, all different backgrounds, entrepreneurs, etc., trying to really figure out the what's next. That's generally what it looks like. It's like they 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 kind of feel like there's this pillar at the end that they want to go touch, and they they it's not quite clear yet that they've defined it, but they know something next is meant to happen because what's happening right now is just not doesn't feel like enough, or you've outgrown it, and now you're trying to discover who else am I meant to be, and, and it literally starts to relate to that why. So if you first start with a discovery of what that is to define yourself, to define your why for yourself, then it becomes easier to act in it because now you have that guiding post to go towards. And going into action and realizing too, what do you have to let go of? 
You know, I think there's there's something that happens when we're going through change or transformation or trying to even build that next thing or want to leave the job we're in to go create our own business, whatever that looks like for you. There's a there's an arena of knowing also what has to be let go. So in your case, it's delegation. It's not like the work still had to happen, the coding still had to happen, but you had to step into delegation for other experts to come in and do it so that you could stay in your zone that aligns you to your why. And I think it's really important to reiterate that. And that works even in corporate. Like Every single promotion I got in the tech company I was with was because I built what I was doing in a way that someone else could come in and replace me so that I could move on into the next thing. And I could ask for the promotion because that other thing I was responsible for was taken care of. If you leave things in a shit show that only you are the one that could like take care of it, right? Completely. And you're never going to get promoted into what's next because you've enabled a behavior that they depend on you for it all. So some people are afraid of that, even just creating the how to replace yourself. But if you don't replace yourself, you honestly can't move to the what's next. So I love that you're in delegation mode and building up um, your leadership and your business in order to be more expansive. What's one of the things you are feeling challenged by right now? Honestly, it, it is that exact piece. It is the delegation. I Again, I spent 20 years being the person laying the bricks. Uh, I, I was that brick mason. Um, I no longer can do that if I am chasing after that passion and that North Star, if you will, about truly making that difference. Uh, me being a coder is not scalable. And uh, th- that is what I'm working on, is, is truly reminding myself that I'm spending more time to find the right team to work with the people that I really align with. And knowing that, yeah, m- my opinion can absolutely count and it can be part of it. But truly trusting teams that I'm building and working with people who they, they stay in their own lane because they know exactly what their zone of genius is. So questioning less and trusting more, but after putting the work in of finding the right people where everybody, everybody aligns with what they love to do the most. Um, that, that is what I both am actively pursuing while I, while I build the agencies that I'm involved in, the partnerships that I've got going, um, is, is truly reminding myself that this particular thing is why I signed up for it. So who am I to try to skip over to another lane and if I want to do that, I should do it on my own time, not somebody else's, right? Mm. I have to be kind to myself, but at the same time, I have to challenge myself because if you're not growing, what are you doing? Yeah. You're running in a circle. You are. Like a, the hamster wheel <laughs> scenario. <laughs> totally. um, but, the, but I love that because... And I love that I am connecting with you at this stage in your journey because the same way you look at tech systems and the infrastructure that's needed for integration... You almost need that same lens as a leader as you're expanding your business, the infrastructure of your company, the culture that you're building, the who you need to, to lean on that will lead certain segments of your business so that you can you know, stay at the, at the top of the structure and continue to build that next level, that next floor, the, you know, what's next for the whole business. And so I'm excited to, to be a part of your journey with you because I know I can... I can be a good sounding board for you as you're growing in that realm um, because it can feel daunting in stepping into that unknown of the leader that you need to be to continue to lead with value in everything you're doing, but also to make sure you're empowering your team 
to do what they need to do as well. Thank so you. It's, it's, it's so true because, you know, it's kind of like if, if you're, if you're having a really good workout and you're right at that point where you're like, I can't do anymore. That's that moment that you realize you need to keep going because it's not about giving up. It's, it's about what is that extra little bit that will truly make that change. So I, I ask myself that question now too, is like, if there's something that I'm like, ah, it'd just be so much easier if I just took care of this, it would just be so much cleaner if I had just, you know, like built the system myself to do it. And I remind myself that that's not, that's not the pragmatic approach. And that's not the approach that's actually going to make that difference. So delegation for me is, is what I'm truly actively working on myself, but it's by design. It's because I know that I will be able to make a bigger impact with a bigger team, with better partnerships, with a future second certified B Corp, which I'm going to, I'm going to start like, you know, I, I grew up with merit badges and scouting. So I think I'm going to start making little B badges. And you totally should. Yes. I love my monitor with them. Uh, but there is no way that that's going to happen unless I remind myself that it takes a team to build a cathedral. And uh, the, the closer that I can get to that, that vision, uh, that continues to realign me, gives me the energy that I need to keep pursuing it. I love it. Um, the visual I had, though, to be honest, when you were saying, you know, that step further at the gym where you just can't go anymore... I visualized a stretcher and like platform of four people carrying me out of there. <laughs> I, use, I use that example because... That also could represent like the... Let me just delegate the what's next to someone carrying me out. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a very fair visual. Yeah, totally. I was like, okay, who's building my legs for me? Because I can't go no more. <laughs> yeah, I can picture it like, you know, like I'm stuck. Okay, delegation time. Hey, right <laughs> come pick me Get up. Me out of here and fit yeah, me in pick car. me up and carry yeah. me out of here, please. So yeah. I could. But as long as we ask ourselves, what did we learn? Then uh, it was all for naught. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been so great, Joe. I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing a portion of your journey with us and and you know your gifting because I think it's so important for people to hear. Uh, how you can actually design and build a business, a service based business from the heart that uh, where you're leaning into your values and also connecting to your why. I think it's really important for folks to hear. So those who have feedback after listening to the show want to connect with you, how would you like them to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Kareen. So um, I'm pretty easy. My, my handle on all the socials is cause hacker. You may have heard of the term growth hacker. Uh, I was a growth hacker for a lot of years and I realized I wanted to do that with a little bit of, uh, little bit of gusto behind it. So uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Twitter, things like that at Cause Hacker. I also just love having conversations with people. So uh, if you're interested, um, I would love you can even just text me. Um, I made a short link that you can type in and it pops my number in. So it's not hard to remember. My website is jimcarter.me and just type slash text. And jimcarter.me slash text, you can type that in. It pops, uh, pops you right into your messages app and has my number. I'd love to have conversations with you. Just learn about your tech challenges, your tech, you know, successions, you know, like what worked great for you. And uh, I can help you out. I'd love to. Yeah. And if you're a B Corp, uh, interested in the yeah. B Corp side of things, want to learn more about it, like definitely reach out. Reach out to Jim because he will help you navigate. He's such a generous person, guys. Don't take advantage of his time. <laughs> <But> definitely. <laughs> 
leverage it, leverage this gift that he's giving to you to stay connected and assist you. And I just want to thank you all for listening today. And thank you, Jim, for being on today's show. As you guys have your aha moments, your thoughts, the things you want to share, you got anything out of this conversation, please, please share it with us. We love hearing from you, getting your reviews, and also just staying engaged. So thanks again for listening and thanks for joining me. Thanks so much, Green. Have a wonderful day. Wasn't that such a great episode? I know you got amazing takeaways from that. What I would love for you to do for me, if you can help me extend my reach, is go ahead and subscribe to the show so you get the latest notification and listen before anyone else. Also, if you could go ahead and post your review, your five-star review will help me get other people interested in this conversation and extend my reach of impact. Most of all, I would love for you to share this with your community. It means so much to me to have you as a listener and I would love to connect with you. So if you have any questions you would like me to answer on this show, go ahead and email hello at kareenwalsh.com and my team will make sure that I get your questions so we can get them answered on the show for you. Thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you on the next episode. 